Thank you for listening to our Love City Church podcast. Visit us online at www.lovecitychurch.ca. We pray that this message encourages you and strengthens you in your walk with Jesus. Amen? All right, let's get into the Word today. I hope you've been enjoying this series. Uh, You know, I just always love walking through. This has been really practical, really personal for me, to be honest with you. God's been using this series to really just, you know, encourage me. Three weeks ago, we talked about, you know, uh, we we, we talked about uh, the purposes behind closed doors. Last week, we talked about, I don't know if you've noticed this, but every sermon's been uh, a set of three. Uh, three, uh, Last week was three purposes behind the miracle in your life. And today, we're going to talk about three, three lessons we learn in the low, three lessons we learn in the valley. Three lessons we learn when, uh, when things are low. And it just so happens, Lord, just is lining this up. It's a little bit of personal stuff for me here today because I'm just trying to navigate this season and have faith and all that kind of stuff. Um, and, and I believe that God's doing some great things in our midst here today. Um, let me share with you uh, just uh, this, this scripture today, and we'll get into our text in, in 1 Kings chapter 19. But where have we been so far? Remember last week, we, 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 uh, we talked about how Elijah... Uh, was used by God in, in incredible ways. Remember, he's just a regular guy, regular person, just like you, just like me. And there's nothing different. The Bible wants us to know that, that there's nothing unique or crazy about Elijah. He's just a regular person, yet he chose to follow Jesus with his whole life. And God used him powerfully. God provided for him in unique ways with birds and ravens. And he provided uh, oil and, and food for a widow. And he brought a young boy back from the dead. And, and he, in this last text we talked about yes, last week, there was 400 prophets of Baal. And God was challenging uh, the prophets of Baal and this Baal God that is not a God at all. And Elijah brought them all together and said, you know, let's bring a sacrifice. And if you're Baal God, you can bring down fire and you have to sacrifice and he's God. And so they, you know, did this whole hoopla and dancing and all this sorts of stuff. And, you know, he says, maybe he's asleep. Maybe he's going to the bathroom. Maybe he's on vacation. And it says no one answered because it's not a real God. <laughs> and then all of a sudden Elijah gets up there and says, okay, now put more water to make it even more of a miracle. Dump this thing in water three times, drench it. And they're like, oh, this guy's crazy. They're never good. God's never going to burn this up. And he just says, God, prove that you are who you are. And boom, <laughs> fire came down and licked up the sacrifice. And everyone freaked out. Can you imagine being there? Like, oh my gosh, this is God. What I didn't share last week because it was kids a generation Sunday is that <laughs> Elijah pulled his sword out and murdered everybody. <laughs> I kept that from last week because <laughs> it was generation Sunday. I don't want to go into the, uh, the morality of that today and all that stuff. So if you're visiting, be like, what? Elijah put to death all the prophets of Baal who were opposing God. And then what Elijah did is he turned to Ahab, and he must have had some special place in his heart for Ahab. He said, Ahab, I need you to go eat and drink. I've seen that all day today when we're doing the sacrifice and all this stuff. You weren't eating and drinking, king. You need to go and eat. Remember, Ahab was uh, leading the people of God, Israel. And yet he in his heart knew about Yahweh, but he was choosing to follow the Baal God. He was choosing to follow the Ashtoreth. He was choosing to have a divided heart. So Elijah said to, uh, to Ahab, he said, Ahab, eat and drink. He said, uh, he said this, I hear the sound of rain coming. Now remember, it was blue skies in the middle of a drought. There was no clouds in the sky. So before Elijah even prayed, before Elijah even saw the cloud, he declared by faith, I, I sent it in my spirit. I hear the sound of rain. That's what I feel like God's saying to me for our church. I know you don't see it, guys, but I feel it. I sense it. There is rain coming. 
And so he went to Ahab and he said, there's rain coming. And then he went out and he got it in his hands. And he's, the Bible says he didn't kneel down. He didn't stand straight. He went like this. He kind of stood like this with his head between his legs. He had stomach problems. And he went like this. And he got up and said, check over there. What? Is there something wrong? Oh, don't rip my, my, my wife said, don't rip your pants. Okay. Maybe I won't go all the way down then. Again? Okay. And he said, go check. And he said six times. He said, go check. And the servant came back and said, there's nothing there. And then the seventh time, you know, seven, come on, seven, Jericho, seven. Here's seven, come on. He said seven, seven times, seven. He gets up and looks and says, he says, oh, I see the cloud the size of a man's hand. He says, oh my gosh, go get Ahab. The rain is coming. The servant's thinking, you're nuts. Hasn't rained in three years. And all you see is the cloud. The side. He says, no, I have faith. I've declared it in the spiritual realm. It's going to rain. And guess what? It's going to rain. And so what happened was as Ahab began to run, and a crazy thing happened, Elijah ran 15 miles, 15 miles past a chariot and a horse and beat Ahab to the location they were going to. God gave him supernatural strength. And here he is. Ahab got back home. And when he got back home, he told his wife Jezebel. Jezebel was a manipulative, controlling woman who, who was serving Baal and Asherah, was the one who led astray uh, Ahab. Tells him all that's going on. He tells him what's happening. Something shifted in Elijah. After all these incredible things that God had done, fire from heaven, feeding by ravens, bringing a young boy from the dead, something shifted in Elijah's emotional state. It shows us today that, uh, that Elijah was dealing with mental illness. It shows us today that the, 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 the depression and anxiety and, and fear and doubt, those are things you say, well, I'm not supposed to have those things. Well, don't be so over-spiritual. We all experience it. And it might look different for different people, but every one of us experiences a season of low. And here's Elijah, this mighty man of God, and he's about to experience this low, this moment, this low. And what happens in the scripture is in 1 Kings, Ahab told Jezebel everything Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. And so Jezebel got out her phone and began to send Elijah a text message. You stupid jerk. I can't believe you killed all of my prophets. And what Jezebel should have done is left it in the draft folder. <laughs> but she didn't. The difference is, is that Jezebel meant it. She wanted to kill Elijah. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah to say, may the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like that of one of them. Jezebel didn't do anything. Jezebel didn't, didn't. You know, the, the, she could have just sent an assassin, <laughs> you know, but she sent a messenger with a message. The only thing that Elijah received were words. The only thing that, that Elijah heard in that moment were words from the evil one. Discouraging thoughts. Fearful thinking. Sense of depression or anxiety. On that moment, all he experienced was a simple bad email, a bad letter, a bad thought, a bad review on Google. Hallelujah. All we have is Joel's, and it's very kind. Thank you, Joel. <laughs> he says that in the scripture that Elijah, this mighty man of God, 
went from doing incredible feats for God and something happened in his emotions and his soul. And look what happens in the scripture. Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. His immediate response to an email or a text message was fear. This word fear in the Hebrew is actually literally, it speaks to the idea of being gripped, being held by fear. He was impacted by this one moment, by this one conversation, by this one thought, by this one idea, by this one perspective, by this one thing. Elijah was so impacted by this moment. Remember, it's just words. We don't see Jezebel through this entire verse going after Elijah one time. She just said it. I hate you, or I don't like you, or you did this bad thing, or you didn't do a good job, or you got a bad performance review, or whatever it might be. And I don't know why, but for some reason, it impacts my soul. And I begin to go to a place where I just don't see things clearly. And I start to get afraid, and I start to think things that I always thought of. Man, it goes from a place of feeling I'm not this, and oh yeah, it must mean I'm not this, and I'm not that, and I can't do this, and I can't go there, and I'm just this, and oh, and low, 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 my mind goes. Now, you might not be like me, but I know that every single person in the room has experienced a season of low for whatever reason, whether it's a person or it's the devil speaking lies into your mind, speaking discouraging thoughts into your heart, and it impacts you so greatly. And some of you in the room don't even realize that you're living your life out of that negative narrative. Some of you in this room today don't realize that it's Jezebel. You think it's just you. You think, oh, it's just my mom and dad, just my uncle, just that pastor, just that person. No, no, no. It's absolutely, unequivocally, the enemy working against you to bring you to a place where you are no longer functioning like you used to be functioning. We see in the scripture that he ran, and look what he did. He ran, he was afraid for his life, and when he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there, so he, he, he decided to be alone. He isolated himself. And while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness, he was alone. When he heard these thoughts, he saw this message. The first thing he chose to do is be, get out of community, to remove himself from his group, to remove himself from his church, to remove himself from the Sunday gathering, to remove himself from that, that WhatsApp group, to remove himself from that connection, that friendship, or that, immediately to remove himself from that place, take myself away from it. And what he did is I, I, he went into the wilderness. He embraced the wilderness. He embraced the loneliness. He embraced the discouragement. He embraced the depression. He embraced the anxiety. He says, this just must be what it is. And he went right into it without even thinking. Now, sometimes God leads us into a place of wilderness, just like he did for Jesus. He was led by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted there by the devil. Sometimes God takes you into a wilderness season in preparation for the breakthrough season. But not every time you go into the wilderness, is it God? What you don't realize is that without even realizing it in your life, that when that negative thought comes, that your natural trigger is to run away from all the people in your life that want to help you and then ultimately run away from God who wants to be there for you and you close yourself in into the wilderness of your room and you no longer allow people to have impact in your life because I am what my mind says that I am. And this mighty man of God experienced the exact same thing in this scripture. It says that he was alone. Look what happens in this scripture. And it may, I know for me, it's gone this far. In the past, I've experienced this next verse. 
This is a big deal. Maybe some of you in this room have experienced this too. Maybe you've never been there before, but you know what it's like to be in a season of low. And he came to a broom bush. He sat down under it and he prayed that he might die. Now, in our common terms, we would say Elijah was suicidal. He just called down fire from heaven. Birds, ravens were feeding him meat and bread. He saw a brook bubble forth from the ground. He brought a young boy back to life. And he got a bad text message. And now he's in the wilderness. And he's having such depressive thoughts. And he wants to die. Take my life. I'm no better than my fathers and my ancestors. Take my life. I'm no better than any of them. So here's Elijah in the scripture. And in this verse here today, we see that Elijah, this mighty man of God, he's absolutely in a place in his life where he's in a depressive state, alone. Lord, would you kill me? How can a man of God, you know, this is one of the biggest things when it comes to mental illness in our life. We look at men of God or women of God or people of God and say, you know what? You just need to have faith. What do you mean? You're a mighty man of God and you have depressive thoughts. Come on, man. You are more than a conqueror through Christ who gives me strength. Yes, I am. But my mind is telling me differently. I know what the word says. I know what my friend says. I know what, what the worship song says. But there's this narrative in my mind that continues to turn that I cannot shut off. And so my, the, the enemy is capitalizing on this moment. How can it be that real people, even followers of Jesus Christ, experience depression and anxiety and fear and guilt and shame and even consider taking their own life. This reality has been happening in today's world and for a long time we need to recognize that, that the season of low is often a decision that we do make. It's the truth. We make that choice to respond accordingly to those ways of thinking by going that direction. But I need to hear me today. God wants to help you get out of the low. I've been out of it. I've come out of it myself. I've seen it in other people's lives. He wants to get you out of the season in the valley of the low. Not every valley is a God valley. Some valleys are just your brain, just your mind, just an attack of the evil one, just that text message, just a person who doesn't love you, just a person who doesn't like you. And many times, you and I find ourselves in this situation. Isn't it happened? God's good. Life's good. Everything's good. I got the new house. I got the new thing. Life is great. And then out of nowhere, have you ever had that moment where you're running on cloud nine and out of nowhere you get that email from someone who hates you and it just ruins your whole world? Or you get to work and your boss says, hey, I need to talk to you. You're like, like, man, I have killed it in my job. Man, I'm just overperforming. And your boss comes in and says, hey, there's a few things you need to work on. And you're like, oh, God, I'm so terrible. (laughs) You know, you you think things are going well in your relationship with your wife or your husband. Man, you're just intimate. Things are good. And, you know, it's awesome. And then they, they bring up something that you did like a week ago. And you're like, oh, my gosh, I didn't know I hurt you. And it just ruins. Have you ever been there before? And out of nowhere, one text message, one email, one moment, just totally, completely impacts our soul. I need to tell you something here today. You need to hear me. That wilderness season, it's not from God. 
God's just taking me through a moment. No, no, no. God doesn't take you into a season of anxiety. God doesn't take you into a season of depression. God doesn't lead you to a place of depression. That is the devil. That's the enemy. That's the evil one. He is out to steal and to kill and destroy. And he's partnering with the chemicals in your body and the thinking of your mind and the narratives of negativity that you've had in the past. And he's allowing those things and he's bringing you to a place where you and I have to make a decision. Am I going to go to the wilderness or am I going to turn and choose to do the things that I'm going to share with you today? These are the things I've learned and these are things we can see in this text today that you and I have to choose to make a decision to either turn in on myself and embrace the lies of the devil or turn to God despite everything in me wants to do the opposite. When my wife says to me, come on, Ryan, let's pray, I say, shut up. Come on, Ryan, let's pray, let's speak in tongues. I'm like, be quiet. Everything in me does not want to do that, but I know. If I open my mouth and begin to declare the name of Jesus and begin to speak in my spiritual language and call others into my journey and begin to ask, seek help and ask for partnership, guess what? I will find myself getting out of the wilderness, no longer under the broom tree, no longer feeling like I want to die. Now, I'm sure you came in on August uh, 7 thinking, whoa, I didn't think we could talk about this today. <laughs> but the Lord chose it. And so I want to give you three things today if you're taking notes, three thoughts when you're low, three things to do, three things to remember. I don't like talking about doing things when you're low because none of us want to do anything but just eat a bag of Cheetos and binge on some Netflix show with the, the shades drawn in my comforter. Hallelujah. So I don't like saying do because you're like, oh, I'll do this. But, but hear my heart in this. I'm not saying go out and do stuff. I'm just saying, listen, there's three things how we can respond. How about that? Thanks, Steph. How's this? When you're low, try to remember God is still with you and will sustain you. Try to remember. All throughout Elijah's life, if he just took a moment to remember, oh my gosh, literally the entire northern kingdom of Israel had no food and no water, yet God chose to provide for me individually with a bird. <laughs> oh my gosh. He chose a widow who was on her deathbed with her son to feed me. Remember that God has sustained you and helped you and guided you. Remember that even though you feel exhausted and even though you feel low and even though everything in your mind says the opposite, choose to remember God has always been faithful and has sustained me. Look what happens in the scripture in 1 Kings 19. He lay down in the bush and he fell asleep. Listen, sometimes you just need to take a good nap. You need to get that text message and just turn that phone off and take a stinking good nap. Amen? Uh, such a good nap that when you wake up, you're angry at everybody. You know that kind of nap? You wake up and you're just super angry. You're like, ah, I had such a good nap. <laughs> but as he was sleeping, an angel touched him and told him, get up and eat. He looked around and there beside his head was some breaks. So God sent an angel when he was in a state of suicidal depression while he was sleeping. Here's an angel working on, a, you know, working on the stove, making a little bread and, and food for Elijah. God was sustaining Elijah in that season. And look what he says. He looked around and there beside his head was some bread baked on hot stones and a jar of water. My angel is my wife. So he ate and drank and lay down again. And then the angel of the Lord came again and touched him and said, get up. I encourage you. Eat some more. The journey ahead for you is going to be too much. See, what you don't realize, this is what you need to understand today. That when you are in the low, when you're in the valley, do you know that God has sent angels to come and minister to you? 
Now, I'm not here today to talk about the theology of angels, but I want you to know that the scripture teaches us that the Holy Spirit is with us and that Jesus is with us and that he actually sends angels to watch over us and to help us. Look at these scriptures here today. He did this for Jesus. The devil went away and angels came and took care of Jesus. Wasn't Jesus God? This physical man needed partnership. And what did God do? He sent an angel. Look at this again. The angel from heaven appeared and strengthened Jesus. Look at this. And Psalm, just to encourage you, 91.11, for he will order his angels to protect you wherever you go. Come on, Psalms 34, 7, for the angel Lord is a guard. He surrounds and defends all who fear him. Exodus 20, 23, 20, see, I am sending an angel before you to protect, protect you in your journey and lead you safely to the place that I prepared for you. Psalms 127, 2, for God gives rest to the one he loves. Come on, Psalms 46, 1, God is our refuge and strength, always ready to help in times of trouble. Come on, Proverbs 3, 24, you can go to bed without fear. You'll lie down and sleep soundly. Praise God. You need to be afraid of sudden disaster. You don't need to be afraid. I said you do need to be afraid. You need not be afraid of sudden disaster or destruction that comes upon the wicked, for the Lord is your security, and he will keep your foot from being caught in a trap. You need to understand something today, that when you are in a season of low, I know it doesn't feel like it, but the angel of the Lord is baking some bread for you right now. Waking you up, saying, come on, son. Come on, eat some more food. Hey, go have a drink. Come on, go outside, have a glass of water. Eat a good cooked meal. Go back to sleep. Wake up. Come on, I'm going to get you out of this place. You're going to be good. It's going to be okay. I'm with you. I'm by you. I'm going to support you. I've sustained you. I'll never stop sustaining you. I've always sustained you, and I will never quit this journey of sustaining you. I'm going to carry, I started the journey. I'm going to finish the journey. I'm going to carry you all the way to the end. I know you don't feel like it. I know at times you even get angry. God, where are you? He's right there. Here's a second thought here today. When you're low, remember who God is and what he promises. Remember, I'm trying to remember, okay, who is God? Look what happens in the scripture. He got up and ate and drank, and the food gave him enough strength to travel 40 days and 40 nights. 40 days and 40 nights walking and running alone. It says... He ran to what? Mount Sinai, the mountain of God. He allowed himself to be ministered to by this angel. Okay, God, you're sustaining me. And then he made a conscious decision. I'm going to get up out of this wilderness. And I'm going to run. And I'm not going to go somewhere close. <laughs> I'm going to run 40 days and 40 nights. Why? I got to get to the mountain of God. I got to get to the place of God. I've got to get to the place where God's promises are. I am no longer going to sit in this place any longer that I chose to get into. I'm not saying you're bad. I'm just saying it's a natural response. I chose to put myself in this situation. So I'm going to choose myself to get out of it. And I'm going to run towards the mountain of God. Now, what's significant about Mount Sinai or Mount Horeb is the incredible significance. Elijah had this in his mind. That when Elijah made it, now notice, there's no God speaking to Elijah, go to Mount Horeb. In fact, I don't even think God said, go into the wilderness. This is all Elijah's choices. He chose to go to the wilderness. He says, now I'm going to choose to go to the mountain of God, to Mount Horeb, because Elijah knew something about this mountain. Do you know 
that this was the mountain in which in Exodus chapter 3, that our very friend Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock, look at this, to the far side of the wilderness. And he came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And there the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. And Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I'm going to go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. And when the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him within the bush, Moses, Moses. And he says, here I am. Do not come any closer. Take off your sandals. For the place you are standing is holy ground. He says, I've called you, Moses. And Moses says, well, what is your name? Look what he says. God replied to Moses, I am who I am. Say this to the people of Israel. I am has sent you. God also said to Moses, say this to the people of Israel. Yahweh, the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob has sent you. This is my eternal name. I am the same yesterday, today, and forever. I'm letting you know today that the name that I'm giving you is dynamic. It's never changing. I want you to, it's, it never changes. I am the same yesterday, today, and forever. I want you to know that my promises for you remain, that I am with you, that I am for you, that I am by you, that I will lead you, that I will help you. When you are in a season of low, you have to run to the promises of God for your life. You've got to get out that journal and get out that prophetic word and get out that scripture and get out that season and get out that old vineyard CD tape you listen to. You've got to get out that thing and say, I am not going to be in this wilderness any longer. I am going to run to the mountain of God. I'm going to put that tape in or that CD in now or put it on iTunes, whatever you do, Spotify. I'm going to play that thing and I'm going to get on my knees and I'm going to get my Bible out and I'm going to get my journal out and I'm going to go back to the prophetic word when I was 17 years old and I'm going to go back to that prophetic word when, in, when we started this church and God said he is in it. I'm going to go back to that moment. I'm going to go back to that place because I'm going to be reminded of the promises and the nature and the character of my God that he didn't not start me on this journey to leave me high and dry. That's not the God that I serve. So Elijah knew he made a conscious decision. He knew that Moses was in that place. You want to know what else he knew? He knows that that years later in the ministry of Moses, Moses, because the people of Israel were such bad people. I was going to say idiots, but I don't know if that some of you kids are in here like, mommy, he said idiot. (laughs) Moses was such a, uh, these people were so bad that they could have gone into the promised land. But because they didn't agree with God, they spent 38 years walking around the promised land. And now Moses is ticked, these people, God. People, you gave me, look what he says. He says in the scripture, God, I'm struggling. What's going to happen? You need to lead me in these people. He's struggling to find value and meaning in this moment. And this is what God's word was to Moses. I will personally go with you. I will give you rest. Everything will be fine. Everything's going to be okay. I'm with you. I'm guiding you. I'm leading you. So Elijah found himself. He went immediately. He ran 40 days and 40 nights to the, the very place of God. And when he got there in the scripture, it says that he found himself in a place in the very cave, in the very place where Moses was reminded of the eternal purposes of God and where he went, where God said, Moses, I'm going to be with you and I'm going to guide you and I'm going to lead you. When you are in a season of wilderness or in the, in the low, you've got to make a conscious decision to say, I'm not going to be here anymore. I know everything in me does, wants to be here and I feel like I deserve to be here. You've got to get up and choose to run to the promises of God. Go 
Go back to that place where God called you. Go back to that place where God spoke to you. Go back to that place where God whispered in your ear and spoke truth into your heart. Here's the third thing here today as we end our time together. When you're low, remember, I didn't know how to say this, so I'll say it and then I'll say it again. Remember, God wants a close relationship with you. Remember that in the low, in the valley, listen, it is the closest you will ever be to God. It's the closest you'll ever be. Look what happens in the scripture. He came to the cave where he spent the night, and the word of the Lord came to him. What are you doing here, Elijah? Now, that means, I think God was like, okay. I didn't, like, I didn't ask you to come here. Why are you here? Why did you run to my promises? Why did you run 40 days and 40 nights to the, to, the, to the mountain of God? Why are you here? Now, we all know that God knows why Elijah is there. But there was something powerful about Elijah speaking it out loud. God, I got to say, God, I have been working my spiritual buns off. I've been working hard. I've been, been going here and there. I've been faithful. I've been loyal. I've been honest. I've been a person of integrity. I've obeyed your word. And it feels like I am the only one left. I, I got, did you see when I called down, I asked you to call down fire and fire came down and the people of Israel were like, oh, you're God. And they still didn't change their lives. For all the work I've done, after all the things I've done for you, God, the people didn't even respond. And now I'm all by myself. I'm all alone. I'm isolated. And I got, I'm working hard. And maybe you feel like this in your marriage. Or you feel like this with your children. You say, God, I've just given myself to my kids. And they just are still so disobedient. God, I just, I try so hard with my husband. And it just feels like every time I try, God, I try to be intimate. I try to, I try to do certain things. And yet still there's a division between us. No matter how hard I give, I tithe, I give my money. Uh, God, I just still can't seem to get out of this debt. God, why am I in this place? God wanted in that moment for Elijah to recognize the state that he was in. And I want you to know that Elijah exaggerated what was really happening. Obadiah had already told him there was 400, 500 other prophets. Elijah just felt terribly alone in this moment. God wanted to engage him in relationship. And I want you to see how God responded to Elijah's words. Elijah said, listen, God, I'm fed up. So much so that I don't even know if my value on this earth is worth it. God responded in a very beautiful way. He didn't say, oh, Elijah. He didn't look at him and, and chastise him or talk down to him. All he said to him, was this in the scripture. He said, the Lord said, I want you to go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for I'm about to pass by you. I'm about to reveal myself to you. I'm about to engage you. I'm about, you're about to have an encounter with me. You're about to experience, why Elijah? Because it's not really about all those things. It's not about your performance at work. And it's not necessarily about, always about your happiness. Or not about your breakthrough. Not about all those things. You want to know what it's really about? It's about having a personal encounter with Jesus Christ. He says, I can answer all of your problems right now, but I want you to know that right now, I want you to experience my glory. Look what he says in the scripture. It says, the great powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in 
the fire. And then all of a sudden, as the scripture says, after the fire came a gentle whisper. He says, I want you to know that all the things that you do in your life, career, your relationships, all the things you're trying to accomplish in your life, God wants you to know today that those things are great and they're important, but you want to know what's most important? Hearing the very voice of your Father. And when you're low, when you're in these seasons of depression and discouragement, I want you to know that those are the moments when your ears are the more open than ever to hear the very intimate words from your Heavenly Father that He says to you, listen, I'm going to go with you. I want you to know you're not going to fail. Uh, uh, Everything's going to be just fine. I'm partnered with you. I love you. I made you. I crafted you. He whispered into Elijah's ear. And I wonder what he said to Elijah. Don't you? The scripture doesn't say what he said. But I bet you that he repeated the exact same thing that he said to Moses. The Lord replied, I'm with you. I'm going to be at your side. I'm going I'm to give you rest. Not just a good nap. I'm going to give you soul rest. I'm causing a peace that surpasses all understanding. I'm going to cause a joy that's unspeakable. I'm going to give you rest. And he says in this scripture, I want you to know everything's going to be just fine. I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to protect you. I'm going to guide you. I'm going to work in your life. I'm going to do amazing things in your heart. I want you to stand to your feet this morning. We're going to sing this song. And this song is about the faithfulness of God today. Thank you for listening to our Love City Church podcast. Visit us online at www.lovecitychurch.ca. We pray that this message encourages you and strengthens you in your walk with Jesus.